This is what we do. Like I've been saying, we're in part three, our final week of our message series, and we're talking about the blessing of generosity. Because one of the core values that we established as we were just meeting in a home and and discerning what the well was going to be, we didn't even have the name the well yet, but one of the things we wanted to do was be generous. We wanted that to be part of our DNA. We wanted to lead the way with radical generosity so that when people discover, oh, you go to the well, man, you guys are making a difference in this community. Man, you guys help people out and you're generous. So can you help me out and say this with me? We will lead the way with radical generosity. So let's say it together. We will lead the way with radical generosity because this is what we do. This is who we are. As followers of Jesus, we truly believe that it's more blessed to give than to receive. And last week, for those of you who were here, I gave each of you a loony, and we handed out the rolls of loonies, and then I asked you to return it. And I said, God only asks for 10%. I'm asking for 100 But if you really needed to keep the loony, you could. But a dollar doesn't sound like much. Like when we're going through change in our pockets or my kids find stuff in my drawers and they're like, oh, a loony, like, can I have it? It's like, yeah, sure, it's a, it's a buck. Like you can't go to the dollar store and walk out with anything anymore. But the reason I asked you to do this is because when we follow Jesus, it's shocking how much Jesus can do with so little. He can do a lot with what we think is so little. So I'm going to tell you more about that exercise we did last week as we progress in our message today. But first, I want to tell you another story. And this story happened at another church who was also talking through the blessing of generosity. And this group gathered midweek for their life group. And this woman who had been attending with her husband, she opened up by sharing with the rest of her group that I was listening to this pastor speak on the power of God multiplying what we give. And I really wanted to test him. I I wanted to give to this specific offering. So I opened my online banking and I saw that I had $5.35 in my checking account. That's all she had. And she thought, I'm going to write a check for $5, and that's what I'm going to give. But then, of course, like we all do, it's like, oh, man, that is flirting with the line. Even though $5.35 isn't going to get her very far, she's thinking, I can't go to the $5 mark. I'm going to give a dollar. And that she's sharing this story with her life group. She's actually crying because she's embarrassed, because she's embarrassed that she's writing a check for $1. Like the processing fees are probably going to be more than her check is. But she was committed to doing it, and she gave it, and she said, God, please multiply this to be a blessing to someone. Well, that night, as as she's sharing this at her life group, there was another couple in the group that said, we don't know why, but we've had it on our heart for the last little while, and today, we felt like we needed to give you this. And they gave her an envelope, and she opened it up with her husband, and inside the envelope was $1,000. And they're just like, God had put it on our heart to give this to you. And they were so blessed and they were so blown away. And it's just crazy generosity. And the family that gave it, we'll call them the Smiths. Well, the Smiths cried and the woman and her husband cried because it was just this beautiful moment of God's blessing. And then another person in the group said, man, you should have given the $5. (laughs) 
But now I'm not saying that this always happens, that you give and you, you get it back tenfold, hundredfold, instantly. Please don't hear me say that that's what always happens. But God is always faithful, and God multiplies what we give. And that's actually the meaning behind that symbol. I'm not sure if you've paid any attention to that, but there's the plus sign and the, the time sign, the multiplication symbol. And it's what we add, God then turns around and multiplies. And he makes it go so much further than we would ever think possible. And I'm curious how many of you, when you hear a story like that, you think, man, I would love to be blessed like that. Like, you're probably thinking, if you're like me, that you'd love to receive an envelope like that. But how many of you would actually love to be part of the Smith family who got to give a gift like that? They got to be part of this massive blessing, to be able to be obedient to God and impact someone's life because they truly believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And when you ask it that way, it changes our perspective. And it's like, man, how many would love to be blessed like that? Because that's what God's calling us to do as Jesus followers, to live in that posture of generosity. This is what we do. Because of what Jesus did for us, we will lead the way with radical generosity. As Jesus followers, this is just what we do. And it may not be what everybody does, but this is what we do. Like I mentioned in week one, we recognize that giving and being generous are two different things. Everyone's able to give. And sometimes we see these needs and we respond to them and we give a bit here and there. But a posture of generosity is completely different. To live from a heart and a posture of radical generosity is so different than just giving. As Jesus followers, we want to grow beyond where so many people live today, and that's with a scarcity mindset. So many people live in a posture of there's not enough to go around. I have more month left than I do money. But let me show you the cycles again, because these mindsets are actually cycles. So the first premise is that God supplies. Everything we have comes from God. So on the your left side is the cycle of scarcity. So the first thing we usually do after God supplies is we consume. We have plans where that money's going, whether it be a boat, a house, rent, food on the table. We consume. But then we start consuming so much that we start lacking. There's not enough. We don't have enough. So then we start to fear. How am I going to pay next month's rent? Now that I bought the boat, how am I going to fill it with gas? So then what we do is, well, that's an uncomfortable feeling, so let's just numb that by consuming more. And we start living in this cycle of scarcity. But then if we move to the right side, we have a cycle of abundance. And as Jesus followers, we don't serve a scarcity God. We serve an abundant God. So after God supplies, we give back. We're simply returning what God has already blessed us with. After we give, God uses that and multiplies what we've given. He uses it in crazy ways to impact the community, our nation, our world. And as we see God making such an impact with what we've given, our faith grows. We're encouraged. We're excited. 
I don't know if you've ever given a gift to someone and you're like, I hope this helps. And it just completely revolutionizes their world. And it's like, it wasn't that much to you, but it meant the world to them. So then what happens is, well, then we start giving back. And I'm sure you've heard the different stories of people who decided to give 10%, then 11%, and 12%, and 13%. And there's one story that I know that one person had ended up gaining so much wealth that he was giving away 90% of what he was bringing in and living off 10. Now, again, this, I want to be very careful and very clear that I'm not saying it, you give and your life's going to be just completely prosperous. I'm not preaching a health and wealth gospel. But when God gives to us and we return that 10% back to him as an act of worship, we know that he is a good God and he is going to multiply that and he is going to provide for our needs. Everybody can give, but not everybody is generous. So I want to talk to you today about how do we as Jesus followers shift from that scarcity cycle to the abundant cycle, to become abundant givers. How do we become abundant givers? Because let's face it, it takes intentionality. If you've been living in a cycle of scarcity, it's not just going to happen overnight. It's going to take time and effort, and you're going to feel the pinch. But as you continue to make these adjustments, you will start living in this cycle of abundance, and you will see the goodness of a good, good God. So how do we grow to become abundant givers, reflecting the heart of an abundantly good God, blessing people all over the world? So I'm going to talk about three different ways that we as Jesus followers faithfully give. The first way is we give spontaneously. Abundant givers give spontaneously. There's going to be a time in your life that you are going to see a need in someone else's life and think, you know what? I have the resources to meet that need. God's given me more than I, I need. I have time. I have resources. I have the ability. I wasn't even thinking about doing this but I see a need and I'm honored to be able to participate in meeting that need. And honestly, this is the way most people give. I'm sure most of us have given this way from time to time. Sometimes it might even simply by walking into Freshco and you see Teddy there selling apples and you're like, oh man, like I can support this kid. Or sometimes an earthquake strikes in some other part of the world and you see this need and these people who are suffering and hurting and you think, what can we do? What can we give to meet that need from where I am? Sometimes it might even hit a little bit closer to home and your community is impacted with a tragedy. And then you just don't even think about it. You're just giving, 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 giving because you want to see people restored. This is a very important way to give. And in fact... This is the way a man known as the Good Samaritan actually gave in a story that Jesus told. And if you don't know the story of the Good Samaritan, there was a Jewish man who was beaten up and pretty much left for dead on the side of the road. Two somewhat religious guys kind of walk by and they see him there and they kind of like step over him like, we're just going to leave that there. But then a Samaritan person who normally would never interact with a Jewish person well, he went out and spontaneously decided to help this person. It was a spontaneous decision. In other words, when the Samaritan woke up that morning, he didn't think, today, I'm going to go help someone in need, especially a Jew. 
No, all he did was wake up with an awareness that today I am a servant of the most high God. And if there is a need somewhere that I can meet, well, I am, on, I am available. I am on call to meet that need. And you know what? He saw a need laying there on the side of the road. And he went up to the guy and he asks, can I help you? And he put some oil on his wounds, bandaged it up, put him in his wagon or his donkey, whatever he had at the time, and he took him to an inn. He took him to a hotel room. He paid the bill. This is what Jesus says about him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper and said, look after this man. And when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So what did this guy do? Well, he didn't wake up saying, I'm going to go do something. He was simply available. He was on call, and spontaneously, when he saw a need, he decided to meet it. And I want to encourage you to give like that as Jesus followers. Again, I was telling you a bit earlier today, Santiago, moving from Colombia with his family to Canada and all the ups and downs that that's come with. But you should hear some of the stories of people who saw a need and just said, hey, we want to bless you with this. We want to bless you and support you. And God has been providing in miraculous ways. So as Jesus followers, let's give spontaneously. But please, don't only give spontaneously. This is where most people stop. But if you, can, if you only give spontaneously, you'll be very limited in what you can do to make a difference in the world. Start there, but don't stop there. Because as Jesus followers, we not only give spontaneously, but we also give prayerfully and strategically. Abundant givers give strategically. Some of you are going to hear the stories that I shared today, and you're thinking like, man, I wish I could give more. Well, let me tell you right now, I believe you can if you plan for it. I'm just thinking of a book my mom got me when I moved out on my own as a single man. It was called A Man, A Can, and a Plan. And it was a picture recipe book. And it showed me what I needed to buy at the store, how to put it in the microwave. <laughs> we can give more if we have a plan for it. If it becomes part of your heart, your values, your strategy, you can give more if you plan to give more. So as Jesus followers, we have to be strategic givers. So as Jesus followers, the first 10% of what comes in, we strategically, prayerfully, and out of a heart of worship, return it to God through the church. And we don't give last, we give first. We plan to put God first. So if we say that God is first in our lives, then this is one of the many areas where we have to follow through. God, we trust you. We're putting you first. And it's tough because the temptation is to say, okay, I want to put you first, but let me first manage all these other bills here, see what I have left over, sort things out. But no, this is an act of worship. But this is also why I love online giving and pre-authorized giving. Some people I know really like the act of putting something in the offering bucket, and they just feel like there's something tangible with that. But what I love about online giving and the pre-authorized is that at the beginning of the year, Amanda and I sit down and we pray about it and we talk about how much we're going to give, and we give that set amount every single month. 
And then as more comes in, as she's picking up supply days, as she's doing more work and we get more, well, then we give on top of that. But we're able to set a plan. And I love this, this rhythm that we've gotten in where we talk together and we say, okay, how much can we give? How, how much are we going to give? And I know I've mentioned this before, but my dad was the one who convicted me on, on do you give off your gross or your net? Now, again... I'm not saying what you have to do. This is a conviction between you and God, but my dad just said, why does the government get it off the top and you're giving God off the bottom? I'm like, ugh. <laughs> but Amanda and I sit down and we make a plan for this is what we're going to give and it's just taken off the top because if we don't plan and simply have to decide every time we we get a paycheck, well, that's tiring, it's exhausting, it's stressful, because then you start giving reluctantly because you're like, man, there's all these bills here, and okay, I'll give you this. And like I mentioned in a story last week with the couple who discovered that they were merely tipping God. Okay, things are going good, here's a couple bucks. Okay, things are tight, here's a bit less. God calls us to trust him. And you know what? I've been there. I've lived all of these different nuances. I haven't gotten it right every time. But I love what Isaiah 32.8 says about generous people. So I'd love some help with this. So let's read it aloud together. Generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Generous people plan to be generous. They stand firm in their generosity. Most of us, what do we do when it comes to our money? Well, we plan to spend it. We have plans to where it's going. Or if you're a saver, well, maybe you're planning to save it and really rack up the savings account. But we know where it's going. It's like, man, I'm going to get that jacket, then I'm going to come to church, and I'm going to look so good in that jacket, and I'm really going to be able to worship God better because I have the jacket or the shoes or the phone. And now credit cards and the whole bit, they're getting so smart to help us spend our money. Like, put it on a payment plan, 0% interest. I one time bought Amanda a blender at Canadian Tire, and they're like, do you want it on a 24-month 0% interest plan? I said, absolutely. And she's like, you put a blender on a payment plan? That's a whole other story. <laughs> but we plan to consume. But as Jesus followers, we are not spiritual consumers. We are spiritual contributors. We don't believe the church exists for us, but we believe that we are the church and we exist for the world. So instead of planning to make the purchase... What if we as Jesus followers plan to make a bigger difference in this world by giving? Rather than maybe updating to the latest and greatest phone, computer, car, we say, you know what? The car that I have is running just fine. I need to make a difference in what's going on around the world. So Amanda and I, like I said, we've always tried to be strategic in our giving. But over the last couple of years, I'd say that we've had a bit more fun with our giving because we always have that baseline, but before the year starts, we, we plan out that, that baseline, and then we start seeing where we want to give over and above. And we start putting some effort into it, and we pray about it, and we, we actually give away more in places that will make a bigger difference. And I really want to live 
from a posture of generosity. If I'm going to be preaching this to you, I want you to know that I am walking the talk. So I actually went through our finances this past year to make sure that I'm doing what I'm saying. And we are giving over 10% of our gross income back to the church, which I said last last week is kind of a weird thing because it's also who I get paid by. So it's like, are you getting a 10% discount here? But you know what? I love it because then, especially as Amanda starts bringing in more as a teacher, we're able to then start taking those funds and say, where can we put this? What about our district ministry fund that goes to support churches and ministries right in our district and new ventures? What about our global advance fund, which goes to help the Howells over in Senegal, which goes to help global missions? And we're part of this initiative that's bought a plane that's going up to indigenous communities in Manitoba and Northern Ontario. We get to be part of that. Even though we're just this this smaller church here in Binbrook, we are part of this movement that's global. And I love that we, as a couple, prioritize what is God doing and how can we be part of it. Most people give at the end of the year. December is right around the corner, which is crazy. And some of you might even be waiting to give until the last week of the year. That's when some people, and statistically, people give big. And it's usually because people are sometimes figuring out like tax return things and they're giving, and, and that's great. But what if you decided to give your biggest offering on the 1st of January? What if you decided, you know what, I'm not going to wrap up the year with this. I'm going to start the year. And when most churches, their giving declines, or in the summer, when it's like, I'm going to bless the church even more at this time. And I'm not just talking about the tithe, but I'm talking about the giving over and above, because the tithe is that 10%. And you might ask, well, why do I do that? Well, the reason you do it is because you plan to. You're putting God first. You're saying, God, because of who you are, we want to put the seed in this church to expand your kingdom. So the biggest offering we're going to make this year is on day number one because we're choosing to put you first. And then you get to have fun looking at where things go throughout the year. It's been phenomenal this year. I keep talking about the summer students, but it was so great having you here, Leah and Kendall. And like, it was... It blew me away because I went in with like having one summer student before in the past, but then to have two and they could work together and they could do the picnic in the park and the kids camp and the at the movie stuff. And, and we just saw God move. And if I had have looked at what we were spending at the end of last year, I would have been like, there's no way we can survive. We're, we're done. Like shut the doors. But God just continued to provide through your generosity and through your faithfulness. And we're able to do a lot, not because it's accidental, but because it was actually intentional. That's why we're able to do a lot. Generous people plan to do what is generous. That's what Jesus' followers do. We plan to do what is generous, and we stand firm in our our generosity. So we give spontaneously. We give strategically. And the third thing is we give sacrificially. Abundant givers Give spontaneously, strategically, and sacrificially. And there are so many powerful examples of sacrificial giving in Scripture, but the one that really jumps out to me 
is Mark chapter 12. And this is how Mark tells the story. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting money into the temple treasury. Nowadays, I'm just going to stop. That's kind of creepy. Like Jesus is sitting there keeping tabs and watching like who's doing what. But he's sitting down watching what they're doing because he knows that that reflects what's going on in their heart. So it says, many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, truly I tell you, this poor widow, this woman who would have been living off the scraps of other people, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all of the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all that she had to live on. And what's really interesting to me is that as Jesus is watching them, and just so you know, I'm not watching. I don't have access to the records. I'm not keeping tabs. But as Jesus is watching them, he doesn't stop her. Because you see, if I were the one watching the bucket and someone who has nothing puts in almost all they have, I'd be like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know what? We got this. We've got your back. But Jesus doesn't rob her from the blessing of giving. And he celebrated her sacrificial gift. She's given more than anybody else. This is what we do as Jesus followers. Have you ever experienced a situation like this where you almost feel guilty? Like you're, you're seeing someone help you out, but they have less than you? Like the first time I experienced it, like truly experienced it, was in my, on my mission trip to Malawi, Africa. And we went to the southern tip, which was the most impoverished and we worked at an orphanage with a bible college and then we would go around to different villages and lead worship services and oftentimes we would get there they would want to give us objects that they had made or clothing they had made the number one thing that they would often do though is they would give us goat meat and they would let us add it to our rice but we found out that that was at least 10 percent of their annual wages. I looked it up last night too as I was wanting to, to get these numbers right. And on average in Malawi, they make about 100 to 200 US dollars a year. And a goat took a huge chunk of that. And you felt bad eating this meat because you're like, like we're here to help you. We're here to bless you. But they would always respond the same way. Don't rob us of the blessing we get to bless you. Like, this is our blessing, and we want you to receive it. And if you've ever experienced anything like it, it's so humbling. And you realize how much we have. So let me ask you this. When's the last time that you received a massive blessing from giving sacrificially? And then when's the last time you've given in such a way that you felt it and you love that you gave something up to be a massive blessing to somebody else? Because this is what we do. We're Jesus followers and we give spontaneously, we give strategically, and we give sacrificially. So I'm going to ask you as your pastor 
to be generous, to, to support the church, to give radically generous to the church. And I'm emphasizing the church because it doesn't have to be this church. If we're not your cup of tea, if you're not into me, whatever it is, we'll help connect you with another church. There are some great churches around, but my prayer for you is that you will get connected, you will get plugged in, and that you will be radically generous to the church because we know that Jesus can impact the world through his body. So give somewhere. So now that I've told you what we do, let me also tell you for a moment what we don't do. So I want to be real clear. As a church, we don't pass this offering bucket multiple times. I have heard of churches that it's like, okay, we'll pass it once. Oh, another need. Let's pass it again. Oh, roof repair. Let's pass it again. And they keep passing it with, uh, multiple times throughout the service. Sometimes we don't even pass it at all. I just simply leave it on the back. Sometimes I forget to pass it. Other times it's actually intentional. <laughs> but I just trust that God is going to provide through your faithfulness and your generosity. I've also heard of churches that would sometimes come in and have you sign on the dotted line for how much you're committing to give. This might have been an older generational thing, but it, each year it's like, okay, how much are you going to sign up for? How much are you going to sign up for? And one church, uh, I won't say who or anything, but they would actually print in the bulletin who was behind on their committed giving. So then you'd see like, oh, Amanda, you are $1,000 behind. Now, I don't know if that affected any other parts of their service, but I just couldn't believe it. We don't do that as a church, okay? We will not do that. Because you give strategically, we as a church can also minister strategically. We can, we can give spontaneously because we're not coming back each week begging. If you're on our weekly email list, you'll see at the bottom, we have the financial corner. You'll see where we're at in our giving, where we're at in our budget. And we just do that to, to keep you informed. But I just trust that God will continue to provide. Our leadership team, we meet together to, to, to plan and to prepare for the things that are coming up, for where we sense God leading us, where we'll need more funds. And what's phenomenal is that week we got robbed in February and lost $14,000 of stuff. We didn't pass the offering bucket, say, please, 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 because we also have people who believe in us and support us. And we have Gateway who said, you need a soundboard? Here's a soundboard. We had other churches, Mountainside, the other church plant in Binbrook. They called us up. They said, man, we've been there when we got our whole trailer robbed. What do you need? Do you need lights? Do you need sound? That's what happens when the body of Christ works together. We give to the church. So from day number one, our church began giving to the district ministry fund and the global advance fund. Uh, supposedly, in our denomination, um, 28% of churches don't give anything to those funds. But we decided, even as a church plant that's, seek, that's getting assistance from outside, we're like, no, we are going to give to these funds and we're going to work to actually getting to the point that we need to be. Uh, our district ministry fund um, should be about 
of our local offering, and the Global Advance Fund is set at 10% of our local offering. So 15% of our budget goes to support missions nationally, in our district, and around the world. And then each year, if we're ever short, we take what God's blessed us and we top that up to make sure we're hitting the goals that we've set. Now, we're not at the 10, the 10 and 5% just yet, but each year we're working toward that, especially as we move to self-sustainability. And I'll tell you this next part without apology. Amanda and I will steward our resources with integrity, and we will personally lead the way with radical generosity. Because if I'm asking you guys to do it, well, I've got to live it as well. So I, as your pastor, want to inspire you and will inspire you to give because we truly believe that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And with God's help, we will wisefully, prayerfully steward the resources that are given. Because I want you to know that when you give, we use it to make a big difference. Sure, money goes into turning on the lights. Money goes into the various necessities but we also use all of these resources and blessings to make a big difference, to reach people with the love of Jesus Christ. So now I want to quickly just tell you what happened last week when you gave that dollar back in the offering. Now, it didn't all happen last week, but what it did was pay for what happened, if that makes any sense. So when you gave that dollar back spontaneously, I had $50, and I had actually asked you to give a dollar extra than you normally would have that week. Now, again, I didn't go into the finances and look at anything, but I do know that those 50 loonies, when they were returned, that paid for one student to come to summer camp. That's what we charge for the week of kids camp, $50. Out of the 23 kids that we had that week, Seven of them accepted Christ. That's 30%. And that's just by you simply dropping a dollar in the offering. And I wanted to show that because God can do so much with what seems so little. You might think that, God, I'm trusting you. All I have is a dollar to give. But he can bring someone to Christ to change their, their world and their family's life for generations and it is evident that God is doing something significant in our midst. And as a church, we see God moving. And I want to throw fuel on the fire. I, I want to help that grow and grow and grow. And not just for numbers sake. I am not here to just grow our church to say we have a big church. I am here to reach people for Jesus. This is what we do. This is what we do because of what Jesus did for us this is what we do for others. So I have one question left to ask. Are you part of the we? If this is what we do, are you part of the we? This is what happens when we give $1 spontaneously. What do you think Jesus can do if we give 10% strategically? If this is what God can do with $1 spontaneously, what do you think can happen when we start giving sacrificially? Because to him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly more than all we could ask, think, or imagine, according to his power that is at work within you, to him be glorified 
through the church so that his name would be known for generations. You have no idea what God can do. Because of what he did, this is what we do. Heavenly Father, I just pray today that you would inspire us to be your church and to share your love all over this world. God, as you're praying, or as we're praying, with nobody looking around, just for those of you who are Jesus followers, if your heart's just saying, God, help me to be even more generous, help me to give strategically, sacrificially, if that's your heart, would you just raise your hand right now? Yes. Yes, God. God, I pray that you would just show us needs that we could meet in the lives of people. Make us strategic in how we use what you've given us. Help us to become tithers and abundant givers, living in a cycle of abundance with our faith growing more and more. We worship you, God, because of who you are. Move us beyond what we even think is possible. Give us eyes to see, hearts to care, ears to hear, so that we could give sacrificially, even as you sacrificed your son for us. Because of what you've done, God, this is what we do. So, Father, we give you our lives. Forgive us of our sins. Make us new. Fill us with your spirit so that we can follow you. Our lives are not our own. We surrender them to you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.